When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. SPN.com. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I think there's some intelligence in that commentary. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackey and John. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. You like that? You like that? The Rock knows how you feel about pie. All right, we got we have tandem producers today. We have Lindsey Brown. Hi. And, and we have James Murphy. Hi. <laughs> and we have Hi, th- guys. three questions of significant importance. So... You know, if you guys want to divvy them up, have these. If you want to maybe both throw one out and then you can combine on the second question where like James starts the first part of the question. <laughs> sure. And Lindsay, whatever you want to do. We'll just start with question one. Well, I'll be I'll be the leadoff hitter. I have a decent on base percentage. Not and write that down though, but but in you, general I do. And you don't look like the fastest guy. No, but that doesn't matter anymore. That's yeah. an old way of thinking, Phil. Ouch. That's that's the oh. old way where you stick the fast guy at, at, at launch angle is very good. So go ahead. <laughs> so for question one, I want to start with uh, with Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler made news on Friday when he commented, well, damn, on a revealing Instagram photo of Dwayne Wade's wife, Gabrielle Union. Dwayne Wade responded, let me... Uh, They're buddies, right? They drink wine together on private yeah. jets. Well, I mean, they were teammates for the year in, in Chicago, of course. And they're Pretty both sure from they, Marquette, too, right? Is, yes. Yeah, is, yeah. And, and if I'm not mistaken, a couple weeks back, there was a... a uh, Twitter thing of them singing karaoke together in a Chicago bar. Yeah. So they're big buddies. It's so fun. the way he responded was put well damn in caps on my wife photo again and you're going to see what the good, bad, and the ugly is like. Jimmy responded with well that escalated quickly. <laughs> Point noted I'm still coming to the barbecue though. With with the stuff that happened on Friday, and this was obviously more of a joke, but then you you take it back a week further, and uh, and what he posted regarding uh, the cat and Wiggins possibly should Jimmy chill on Instagram, or is this stuff mostly <laughs> harmless? It's mostly harmless, and it's mostly us trying to read between this. This Dwayne Wade thing is a hundred percent harmless. I do think he takes passive aggressive shots throughout the course of the last few months that are meant for Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns. Or when he goes into the comment section and and tells someone, uh, you know, why don't you show him the way or something, whatever he said. I I think 10% of it is him genuinely being annoyed with Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns. 90% of it is him just having fun. He's also putting in some pretty hardcore workouts on the beach right now. Of course too, he so is. It's good to see him working hard. If I was the Wolves, I would be thrilled if, if he was using his accounts to do anything but subtweet my players. 
So if he wants to do Dwayne Wade, that's fine. By the way, so the 2000, um, the 2019-20 Knicks will be Jimmy Butler, Kyrie, Dwayne Wade. Dwayne coming off the bench at yep. age 36 yep, or whatever. because he'll be their 30, buddy. 37. This is going to happen. Yeah, Gabrielle Courtside. Carme- Carmelo back there, too? No, 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 no. I don't think Carmelo's back there. <laughs> I think Carmelo's done here eventually, hopefully. All right, let's uh, let's get to question two. Is, is I have Lindsay question two. Up? I right. officially have uh, been assigned question two. My question, well, background information first. Alexander Ovechkin's summer of a lifetime got a little bit better on Saturday. Of course it's a hockey question well, for you and Judd right now. When I have got one question, on, James right? said he loved <laughs> hockey so much that I needed to include it on the broadcast. So that's yeah. what I said. I was fully prepared for basketball, but hey. I didn't say that's what that. he said. I didn't say that. But the Washington Capitals superstar captain and his wife welcomed their first child into the world this past Saturday. He is named Sergei Alexandrovich Ovechkin, and he was fittingly born on August 18th of 2018 in a Miami area hospital. Mm-hmm. My question for you, gentlemen, is this. For which country will Sergei Ovechkin slip on the sweater for in the 2038 Olympics? Oh, I can't wait. Wow. Because it's only one country. USA, it baby. It has to be, right? USA. Technically, you, I yep. mean, could, I don't know what the deal they have between choosing citizenship for between American and Russian. I'm Put sure it this way. Drew Butera once played for Team Italy in the World Baseball Classic because, like, his great 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 grandfather ate pasta in Venice. I think, time, so. <laughs> I think the young Ovechkin boy is going to go to the ho- homeland a couple times and be like, you know what, my dad's too big here. I don't need this pressure. Bleep you guys. I'm going to stick in Miami, drink v- vodka, date hot chicks, and play for Team USA, Lindsay. I think he's going to play for the good old US of A. Yeah, say sorry, Vlad. Peace out. Red, right, red, white, and blue. Yeah, see ya. Yeah, I mean Putin. the theory is is. I mean, dumb question. Is Ovechkin an American citizen? Like, Ovechkin could play for Team USA. I don't, if he, think, he, I don't think he is. I don't think he is, no. Okay. No. I don't think that's allowed. <laughs> that might be a good point. All right, James. For question three, uh, the Twins, as we just talked about with uh, with Derek Wetmore stopping in studio, the Twins sent Irvin Santana to the DL, which is allowing Steven Gonsalves to make his Major League debut. I was going to ask you how you'll remember Irv as a twin, but you kind of sniped that. But like an MLB relief pitcher firefighter, I can make adjustments in the late inning situation. right here. Wow. Which pitchers in the Twins organization will be in the starting rotation in 2019? To start the year or throughout to start, the year? To start the year. Hmm. All right. Let's, uh, actually, this can be a group exercise, Judd. So, Jose Barrios, absolutely, right? Who are the absolutes? Kyle Gibson. Romero, I think, is going to be in it, don't you? Although Derek said. Because Romero has had some issues with control third time through the order that they might even look. I could see Gonsalves or Romero coming out of the bullpen, especially if they feel like they're too right-handed heavy. They would put Odorizzi? Romero in the bullpen. Odorizzi is going to be in the rotation. And by, by the way, I had no idea. He is so tough to watch pitch. I thought it would be enjoyable. Like he, three, he gets hit around? Or two, what? two, three, yeah. two. He's not an overpowering guy. I, I believe uh, the Star Tribune had a stat today. He set a major league record for starts in a season without reaching the seventh. Yeah. Three two walk two two three two. This has been it's, it's pulling teeth to watch him pitch. I think Michael Pineda starts the year in the rotation, Ooh. and you're probably going to see him in the major leagues here before too long. So Barrios, here's the issue: if it's Barrios, Gibson, Romero, Odorizzi, and Pineda, that's five right-handed starters again. Gonsalves is left-handed, so could you put Romero in the bullpen? Here's what would be intriguing: Gonsalves. if you put, if you put Romero in the bullpen and he was 
he was a guy kind of like Josh Hader with the Brewers that gave you, let's say, 90 to 100 innings. So every time he came out, he came out 60 times, and most of them were two-inning appearances. Mm -hmm. And you use him between the fifth and the ninth innings however you want to. Mm -hmm. And instead of throwing 95, 96 as a starter, he's throwing 100 miles an hour as a reliever. That could be really intriguing. And then you get the left-hander, Gonsalves, in your starting rotation. So Barrios, Gibson, Odorizzi, Gonsalves, Pineda. Although I wouldn't be shocked if they sign a free agent. I was going to say there, there's there's one there's one we don't know yet. Yes, I think there's going to I think they're going to sign a lefty that we don't know because that makes the, the most sense. I think Romero. I don't know. I, I he's he pitched really well at times, and I like his stuff. But yeah, I think Barrios for sure. Gibson, Odorizzi, Romero. Or Gonsalves and one more, and Pineda. Now Pineda's going to come back and pitch in September, correct? That, that's yes. the plan because he's pitching right now in uh, in Fort Myers. Because I'm very curious about his stuff. It ain't going to be like six years ago where he might have been one of the top five right. starting pitchers in baseball. I'm very curious to see him pitch. shoulders and elbows and yep. different things. Was he also the guy with the Yankees who had the glob of pine yes. on his neck in Boston? Well, what, he's had a story and it was so, so far, bad. It was so bad that basically the I, I think it was. The Red Sox felt obligated. It's like it, it's like dripping off his neck. Yeah. And and who who was who was the guy that said we didn't really want to tell or say a thing, but it's our like, guys do it too. Yeah, but it's like coming off his neck. Yeah, it's put, so embarrassing. Put, put it under obvious. the bill of your cap or on your belt, buddy. Don't have that was a him. giant glob on the side of your neck. <laughs> that was him. How does that even happen? Like, why is it, why is there a glob on your neck? And like, do you just accidentally like scoop up too much in your hand and just throw it on your neck? You're like, Whoops! Know. Didn't mean to have that happen. <laughs> Maybe he was taking batting practice and a bat had some pine tar and he just like had it up against his neck. That's what my excuse would have been. Seems like it's bad for the skin, mm-hmm. by the way. Pine tar? Yeah, it seems like it would be counterproductive to skin health. I don't know. I, I didn't know like you were a closes, skin health well, expert. I guess if you think about it, pine tar would sort of <laughs> would close your pores. Would it? I, and might cause acne, I, I an acne it. breakout. I don't think it'd be good for you. Is this some this, reckless speculation about Well, I'm just no, This sounds like a Judd Athlete challenge. Let's put pine tar on his I'm neck and tr- see what happens to his complexion. <laughs> no. Ask my facialist. We'll, yeah. we'll get, we'll get okay, the Okay, find out. I don't think it's good for you. <laughs> we'll take your calls on pine tar and skincare. 651-646-8255. <laughs> Let's talk some more Vikings here when we come back. There's actually a lot more to dissect from over the weekend. Uh, I know you want to talk about Teddy Bridgewater. And also, I think the Vikings might have four running backs. I think they might legit have four NFL running backs on their roster. Mackie and Judd. Don't go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on 1500 ESPN. You know, when, after I looked at it, after I calmed down a little bit, I, I looked at it, and he was his head was to the side, and he was going to the side. And if he had just rolled, it would have been But he, he kind of pumped him into the turf, so... I actually think that was a good call. That's that's the upset. We, we pumped him into the turf. We played that a few times. That's the upset of the weekend that Mike Zimmer agrees with the roughing the passer. There's no, but there's no way he does. He totally he's completely playing a good guy on on that. There's no way he believed that. Like go back and watch it. There's nothing about what Williams did that is a penalty. There's just not. There's no. nothing about it that's a penalty. It's so Like, if you can't do, if that gets called in week 15, all hell should break loose. We can keep phone lines open for the rest of the show. If you have Vikings thoughts, if you have thoughts on the Antoine Williams roughing the passer penalty video that's been all over the place the last couple days, or even on the the, the Jaguars defensive back who got called, 
or anything else from the Vikings game over the weekend, 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. I'm watching again right now, okay? Antoine Williams wraps up the quarterback in his arms, and and he is essentially on his knees as he does so, okay? So he's on his knees. He then throws him to the ground in completing the sack, though. So he's mm-hmm. not, like, spiking him. He's throwing him to the ground. And he purposely and beautifully lands to the left of the quarterback's body. Yeah. He's very, like, very, nothing... very intentional about not falling yes, on the quarterback. There is nothing about this that's a penalty other than these officials have been told all off-season, you got to call. If it's close, just call it. And they do, I guess, in, in fairness, they do tend to go crazy calling things in the preseason that are emphasis points. Yes, they do. And then they scale See, back. About that. Yes, absolutely. But, I mean, come on. It seems like it's every quarter. You flip around to games. Something else, just uh, off-subject entirely. Am I wrong? Am I, am I overreacting to preseason football, and especially second-half preseason football, if I say I feel like the Vikings have four NFL running backs on their roster? So Dalvin Cook, obviously. Latavius Murray, obviously. He's been a 1,000-yard back. But with Rock Thomas and Mike Boone, mm-hmm. I really feel like just watching those guys, yes, against second and third stringers on defense, I can envision Mike Boone as your backup running back or a guy coming in and getting 20 touches in a game and think, oh, yeah, yeah, that guy, that's an NFL running back. Rock Thomas in the passing game, Mike Boone as this hard-nosed runner. Um, or or is it is it that they have an embarrassment of riches at that position or... Once you get past the top five, six, or seven elite running backs in the NFL, that you can pretty much put almost anyone in above a certain line, and you're going to get good productivity. That you've got tier one, mm-hmm. Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson, and maybe Dalvin Cook falls into tier one if he's healthy, and there's five or six of those guys. And then there's like 50 running backs in tier two, and Mike Boone and Rock Thomas might fit into tier two. I think it's more that, and I think you can definitely find the, those guys. Uh, I think the the other factor in this, too, is our observation of that position has changed greatly. It used to be, if you can run, that's great. But now we look and say, if you can run, that's great, but you also have to block and pass. Like, I, I uh, on Saturday, n- noticed when, I think it was Boone picked up a block and did a really nice job. And that used to be the sort of thing you're like, oh, okay, cool. And now you're like, oh, that's a must. But I really, I believe that there are certain positions at which you can just find guys. And and that doesn't mean that they're not good. They are. But running back is a position where I think you can accumulate guys. And and if they're cook, he's special. But for the most part, if you go out and sign Thomas and Boone, mm-hmm. they're going to be decent. Like, so... I don't mean to disrespect Dalvin Cook. I think Dalvin Cook is clearly the best of the four and one of the best in the NFL. So he's definitely on a different level. But if you had to go into the season with Rock Thomas and Mike Boone as your two running backs, you wouldn't feel panicked, right? I would say, oh, yeah. Those guys look uh, yeah. like they're both pretty capable. In those situations, if you put them, though, with first-teamers consistently, I'd be curious how, how much they, they could do at that speed. They might be fine. Um, but that would that would be my one question. If they're depth guys... They're good. If you took so if uh, if Cook was going to be out, and, and it sounds like they're actually going to try and play him uh, on Friday. But if you took Cook out full time and Murray got hurt, I would be very curious to see if those guys could take a lot of first team reps. Yeah. I don't know that for a fact. But I don't watch Murray and think, oh, Murray is two levels above what I saw from Mike Boone. He didn't I mean, on Saturday when he fumbled twice. That's right, for sure. he looked terrible in that game. Ugh. But just like Mur- Murray is not. 
overly explosive. Right. He's good. He's he's capable and he can do a bunch of different things. And I think he's a better fit in today's NFL for the Vikings than even if it was three years ago, Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson now is like thirty. What is he? Thirty three or something? Washington. He might sign there today. Oh my god! Is that going to happen? Today? It looks serious. Yeah, yeah. They they <laughs> of had of course it's Washington. They had Jamal Charles in on Sunday. They they had a guy I think who played for the Giants in on Sunday, and I saw I saw a tweeted picture of Peterson in the locker room today, and he's at least there to talk to the to the Redskins. So good segue from that. Uh, if you're Washington, you're obviously having Adrian Peterson. I heard Orleans Darquois and Jamal Charles in for they they were looking at those guys. Jamal Charles, do you, Jamal do you, Charles yes, is still huffing it too. What's the point of of signing one of those guys when you could just wait for the loser of the Rock Thomas Mike yeah. Boone battle, for instance, and maybe give them a shot? They're not looking for a starting running back. They're just looking for someone to fill some time. Well, if that's the case, well, I'll throw. Let's just make the question specific. Would you rather have? Rank in order of for this one season: Adrian Peterson, Rock Thomas, or Mike Boone for a backup running back. Even if it wasn't developmental, oh, I'm on Rock Thomas, baby. I would, I would too. I would never take Adrian Peterson, Peterson over right. Rock Thomas. No, no. But Washington's lost what three guys so far? Yeah, including they, the guy, in, in, including their draft pick for the season to a, a torn ACL. I think so. They're desperate now. But if Rock Thomas got released and I had Peterson, there's a fighting chance, I would say. I'm going to pick up Rock Thomas. See you later, Adrian. For sure. Yeah. 651-646-8255. Kurt Hay, you're on the show. Hey, guys. Uh, I've been on hold so long, you guys have already hired and fired another program director. Wow. Wow. That, does that mean I have to leave now? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, you're the interim. <laughs> Acting, yeah, hey, interim, um, you know, whatever. Sorry about that. It's just a good cheap shot. Um, I just wanted to uh, weigh in on the uh, referee situation. Yeah. Yeah. I think that uh, like Mike Florio or somebody said this a while ago that the preseason, these guys are going to be throwing hankies all over the place, just kind of set the tone. And that I think well, we're just seeing a blip that they're just trying to get it out there. And that when we get to the regular season, it's going to be more or less kind of back to normal and that uh, they're going to let the guys play. Uh, what are your thoughts? My thought is this, though. I, I, I think it's too simple to think week one is just going to snap things back. Yes, I could see it evolving. I could see it evolving where by the time we get to week eight, it's not as bad. But there's this notion that, okay, week one, it's going back to how, how it was. And I don't believe that. And so I guess my fear or my point is, I think there's a there's a real chance that we're talking about let's say the first four weeks being affected. I don't think it goes from I don't think on September 9th there's just two flags. Mm-hmm. So and and if you start to affect games on that date, it's going to affect things greatly. Six five one six four six eight two five five. Here's another thing to consider too. The NFL is very much a casual fan sport. Would you agree that it's sure you're you're you're, you're catering to the masses. Yep, people are kind of. Flying in for a few hours on a Sunday, maybe they set a fantasy lineup, but it's very much a casual spectator sport, very easy to digest, ideally, and you can watch it in group settings, at bars, in stadiums, and you don't have access always to commentators or in-depth explanations. And that's how people consume football. A large percentage of Americans consume football in a very casual way. What I see with a lot of these new points of emphasis are fans watching at a bar or fans watching in a stadium and wondering, what the hell? How is that a penalty? And you're creating confusion among 
the fan bases and the consumers that you need to be on board with your product. Yep. So if I'm casual fan ducking in and I'm watching with friends on a Sunday afternoon or Sunday night football and the volume's down or whatever, like that's pretty standard way to watch football. And I'm watching that Antoine Williams play and it's a regular season game and you it's would, late in the fourth quarter. I'm wondering what you wouldn't understand it. Uh, I, I th- here's what I think that they, they should have done uh, throughout the exhibition games. And if they'd be wise, if they're going to continue down this path, week one, adopt it. If you're going to call the, the new helmet rule or the driving the quarterback into the ground rule, do what, what the NBA does with, with its explanations for the end of games. Mm-hmm. At the end of games, issue explanations for why. I would love to hear what the referee saw Saturday. Explain to me why. Why was that called? Like, what did he do? What can't yeah. he? And I'm sure the Vikings asked that, and they probably found out. And perhaps it was just a blown call. But as a fan, I would like to at least know why. Yeah. And and I think that these this these rules now are going to be called in a in a manner of which the why is important because to what you're saying with just being told that's a penalty, you're saying to yourself that makes no sense. Yeah, I wonder if they go so far as to have some sort of I feel like the NBA is almost too transparent where they're telling you all the things that could have been called or didn't didn't get called or were incorrectly called in the last 2 minutes if the NFL would go to that level of transparency or in the fourth quarter or something, the fourth quarter report. Oh, that actually wasn't a penalty and just be more open about it. The NBA sometimes throws its own under oh, the they bus do big time. too often, but at least you can appreciate the fact that they're trying to explain, hey, here's what happened, and I know this doesn't make you feel better because you lost and we can't overturn the loss, but yep. et cetera. Yeah, but explaining to casual fans, if that becomes an issue, and now you're just losing fans because... I don't understand. This is ridiculous. That's not the football that I know. And boom, peace out, right? Yeah. They have to be careful about that. Well, and if you throw if you throw flags as much as they potentially could, think about how long games are going to be. And people, that's the one that's the one thing. The nice thing right now is if you sit down on a Sunday to watch a game, you say what? 3 hours or so, right? That's it. But if you are going to have every point of emphasis from the last three years and call those, you're going to have four-hour games. You're going to have a flag. You're going to have so many plays that don't count, it's going to be mind-numbing. Yeah, and penalties are already pretty far up now compared to 10 years ago and then 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. So uh, Vikings lines are open for the rest of the hour, 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. If you missed it like an hour ago, Actually, this is hour and a half ago. Kai Forbath, out. He has lost the kicking competition because he missed a kick in the preseason. They were pretty much waiting for him to miss a kick in the preseason. He delivered. And they fired him. And so Daniel Carlson, the rookie, will be the Vikings kicker, at least to start the 2018 season. Mackie and Judd back with more. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. Do I have your word on that, sir? Mackie and Judd. Absolutely. On 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Bland, half-baked, disrespectful, overexposed, not worth your time. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Match reactions and MLS news straight from the team. This Tuesday, Adrian Heap and Jamie Watson will be at Buffalo Wild Wings Wings on Snelling Avenue in St. Paul for a live Adrian Heap show broadcast from 6 to 7 p.m. presented by Heineken. Come watch the show, talk soccer with the guys, win prizes and more. Details are at 1500ESPN.com keyword events. Honest with you, I'm, I'm 
glad that we didn't win that game today because uh, <clears throat> we didn't deserve to win. We didn't play well enough, and uh, you know we're going to get back to work and get, get going. I here. agree. When Blake bleeping Bortles tries to throw five interceptions in the first two drives and your defense can't, can't cash in on one of them. Mackenzie Alexander one. had that ball thrown into his chest. It bounced off his chest into yeah. the hands of Anthony Barr, who then proceeded to drop it. I think he. I think McKenzie might have had another chance after Barr bobbled it too to maybe get in on the action. And then he got hurt. So, um, can we officially say that the Jaguars front office should be put on notice? How Colin and I in, talked about this. It's how, stupid. I, I don't get. I don't. How know. do you I let this know. happen? And I we don't, don't have a know. stake in it. We don't really care. But just having experienced. Actually, you know what this is. What the Jaguars are doing is the same thing the Vikings did a few times with like Christian Ponder. Yep. That's where what the I said. rest of your team. Okay. Yep. You're right. The rest of your team is ready to roll. Mm-hmm. They did this. Maybe in 2008, a little bit too, where, all right, well, T Jack and Gus Farad are going to be our guys. Like, I don't know. You just grabbed Jared Allen and you've got Pat and Kevin Williams and Antoine Winfield. Eh, but then they went up, made up for it the next year when they found Brett This is Favre. Ponder. This is Ponder to me. And, and it's even to the point where when Collar uh, tweeted about how Bortles, bad Bortles was on Saturday, he got reactions back from Jaguar fans. Oh, Jalen Ramsey likes him. I did too. But instead of, but, but Jaguars here's the thing. Brigade hit me up on Twitter all day but on Saturday. It, but when it comes to Christian Ponder or Blake bleeping Bortles, if he is your quarterback and you're a fan of that team, you should be lashing out about it. Like, you shouldn't be like, oh, Christian is going to be fine. You should be like, what What are they doing? Why it's is weird. he playing? You know what they call Blake Bortles? You know how they call, they call Tom Brady the GOAT? The greatest of all time, right? Yep. They call Blake Bortles the boat. His apparently he has diehard fans. They were all up in my Twitter account the too. Boat. The the Bortles of all time, the Blake of all I don't I don't know. I can think of other B words that <laughs> yeah, I might too. perhaps put into the <laughs> equation when it comes yeah. to Blake Bortles. But you're right, it is ponder. It's like, okay, how much more do you need to see until you just say, Yep, this I know we spent a first-round pick on this guy, but it ain't happened. So here's what I don't understand, and this is what leaves me so very confused about this entire thing. You went to the AFC Championship game last year. Your defense is legit. It's a really good defense. And your team your team is good. And if you go back and look what was available to you potentially in March or if you were to make a trade in the draft, quarterback-wise, you could have improved yourself at the most important position in sports. How do you sit there and just say, we got to give Blake another year? Like, how do you do that? There's still time to trade for Teddy. We, I agree with that. Now, Teddy, though, Teddy, if the Jets are smart, starts for them, and I play him for an extended period of time. I think he's going to be really good this season. And you, you know what? Good for him. I'm glad for him. Yeah, you could have a really good problem on your hands with the Jets. If you start Teddy and he comes out of the gate and looks great for the first five or six games, and you're sitting on Sam Darnold here, who... A lot of teams, I would think, would look at him and say, "Oh, yeah, that's that's definitely a quarterback of the future." You could, you could decide if you wanted to, because it's not like Teddy's thirty years old. What's Teddy? Twenty five? Yeah, he's mid twenties. So he's very much, and he's, and and who knows how long if 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 there winds up being degenerative issues with that knee, because that's what happened to Sam Bradford. Bradford's not that old either. He's thirty or thirty one, and he has degenerative knee problems. But you could trade Sam Darnold. If you thought, I think they're going to wind up trading Bridgewater just because of the uncertainty of his physical condition long term. Sure. But if he plays for five or six weeks, that's why if I'm Jacksonville, I don't let I don't let the Jets build value with Bridgewater. I get a hold of them right now before he looks good in the regular season for a month, and because you can only beef up his value so much if you're the I Jets. Say, right now, it's going to cost games. you what second round pick at, at the very least, and Boy, I'd be asking for a first. If the Jets could get a second round pick for Bridgewater, who hasn't played a regular season game in 
two and a half calendar years, that would be pretty incredible. If, if I'm the Jets, here's my hope. I start Teddy, and I hope I'm good, but but not great. I'm solid. And let's say I start Teddy for the first six games, and I win two or three. And then somebody gets hurt, and Darnold's set to play. And you can trade him. Because keep in mind, he signed away one-year cheap contract, too. So he so he can walk yeah. after 2018. But if you but if you get to week five or six and he's playing well and your team's not great but it's doing okay and you can transition to Darnold and yet find a team completely panic stricken that lost their QB, it's ideal. Yeah, and then like Josh McCown, I know he, what's he now thirty eight. Josh McCown's pretty old. Josh McCown's a capable quarterback too. I don't know what you could get in a trade for him, but if if a t- if right now if you're Jacksonville and you know that everything is Super Bowl ready and your starting quarterback, your franchise quarterback is looking that bad in preseason action. It's all your fault. I'd rather have Josh McCown if I'm the Jaguars than Blake Bortles right now. This is all your fault too. If you're Jacksonville, this is uh, this is not surprising. That's the thing about this is none of this. What what I saw during the uh, two practices and then Saturday in that game, none of it surprised me. He's yeah. just not any good. Uh, here's a Mike Zimmer soundbite, him discussing the offensive line. And then I have a question for you on the first-team offense performance in the second preseason game. Yeah, well, we're, we we got to get on the stick here pretty quick. Um, you know, I think uh, Remmers will be back next week, uh, which will be good. I think uh, Elfline's got a chance to get back here pretty soon. Um, you know, that will help. Um I don't know about Rashad yet, so we'll see. But, yeah, it's tough. I mean, you know. But, you know, we're not the only ones in the league to be having these issues, I'm sure. We just have a few more than we no- should have at this point in time. But, you know, it's it's like Okay, they looked, the first-team offense with HodgePodge offensive line looked really, really good in the first portion of the first preseason game. Couldn't move the ball a lick in the second preseason game. How much did that performance on Saturday bother you? Or how much did it signify if the season starts, which it's going too soon? Yeah, because they're going to play probably the first half on Friday against Seattle. And then if they hold true to form, they won't play in the fourth preseason game. So they essentially have one half of football left. Um, All right. I'm going to answer this in the calmest possible way. Because if I say, oh, my God, I was bothered by it, that's pretty typical, Judd. And it's almost cliche. Right. So let me tell you. You're going off brand right now. Yes, I I am, but I'm going off brand because I want to drive home the importance of the point that I'm about to make. The lack of continuity on the offensive line, and I'm not talking at one or two spots. I'm talking across across the board. Riley Reef was the only expected starter who was able to start the game Saturday. Has to be a concern because you are dealing with, and Collar has brought this up a ton, but it's a great point. The one thing that you punted on to a certain degree when you when you made the transition from Keenum to Cousins was this. Case Keenum could ru- could throw on the run, he could really scramble, and if all hell broke down around him, you had a chance to make a play. From what we know about Cousins, he doesn't. He needs his protection to be really good. Now, if it is good, he can be a really good quarterback. So this is not bashing the move to Cousins. This is saying you knew the price of poker if you were the Vikings when you signed him, which is one of the things you're forfeiting is the ability of your quarterback to scramble and make plays. It is frightening to me when you're talking about, at least on Saturday, an offensive line that was missing its left guard, who's done for the year, the center, who is going to come back soon, hopefully, the right guard, 
and the right tackle. So I am, am I saying, well, he didn't complete passes to Thielen and Diggs and that's a huge problem? No, I'm not. That doesn't concern me. I think that part of it, that part of the equation, if the line holds up, is fine. But I don't think we can underestimate or undersell the importance of having that line back and getting at least a tad of continuity. And Zimmer reflected that. I mean, I think he's gotten to the point now where he's not going to come out and panic, but he understands that at some point in time here, you've got to get some of that line back. They also have, it's the same conversation as last year. They have more leeway because their defense is not going to give up 28 to 31 points. You know, they don't have to be perfect offensively to win a game. They're going to they're going to win games 20 to 13. They're going to win games sometimes 17 to 10. Hell, that was a game if the starters had played the whole game on Saturday, they probably win that game like 17 to 10 or something. And games right? are going to look like that. Mhm. Unfortunately, thought they my are. guy Kyle thought my guy Kyle was going to lead a fourth quarter comeback there in the last 2 minutes. Fourth quarter Kyle Oh, I'm I'm a big Kyle guy too. Yeah, he disappointed me. He's my me. guy more than your guy. He disappointed me. Um, but the I could see a scenario where essentially the Vikings privately say to themselves, "We need our defense for the first four games to win win us games." Now, the flip side to this discussion though is very very simple. The offense, I don't think for for the early portion of the season might be great. It might just be okay, but they can't screw up. Murray can't fumble balls. Cousins can't throw picks. So the one the one thing that the defense, I think, for, for the first quarter of the season can safely say back and justifiably say back to the offense is, we're good enough to essentially win games. Just don't screw it up. Yeah. Uh, if you want to chime in, 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Mackie and Judd here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. That's just about the most fantastic scheme I've had to date. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Start churning butter and put on your church shoes, little sister, because we're about to blast off. On 1500 ESPN. Honest with you, I'm I'm glad that we didn't win that game today because... uh, we didn't deserve to win. We didn't play well enough, and uh, you know, we're going to get back to work and get, get going here. Mackie and Judd, State Fair coming up. You can find us, same old location, same bat time, same bat channel. And you can find Garage Logic and the Ride with Royce too. And this will be the... This will be the uh, the transition from daily radio to daily podcast for Garage Logic too, and uh, there'll be more information about that at the fair where you can find them starting September tenth. Mm-hmm. We got some Vikings calls here six five one six four six eight two five five. Randy in Oakland, realistic Randy, what's going on, man? Hey, what's up, guys? What's up? I was just listening to your guys' last segment talking about um, the offensive line and possible problems going into the year. As far as I'm concerned, I don't want to hear any concerns from Rick Spillman or Mike Zimmer about the offensive line because they elected to not go for a guard, which was a need. And here's the thing. The NFC Championship game should have been the biggest wake-up call of all time. We got dominated on both sides of the ball in the trenches, but especially once we had injury issues and everything like that, there was no depth to it address the offensive line going up against teams like the Philadelphia Eagles, who has a ferocious defensive line. That NFC Championship game should have been the wake-up call. You go out, you invest $84 million guaranteed into Kirk Cousins, thinking that, hey, we need to upgrade at quarterback. 
uh, compared to what we had in Case Keenum, who did a very good job. But we're going to upgrade to get a more um, insurance policy as far as the larger body of work is concerned. Okay, fine. Joe Berger retires, and all of a sudden, with that void there, and this is before even Nick Easton's out for the year, the draft comes, and it's like, you know what, no, we're, we could take Will Hernandez, but you know what? We're going to take Mike Hughes, man. I'm telling you. And see, here's the thing. We can have a great defense. We've had a great defense under Mike Zimmer since he's been here. But we've seen time and time again, if the offensive line isn't protecting the quarterback, none of it matters. And Zimmer needs to be called out a little bit. I love Mike Zimmer, but I'm sorry. Based on the patterns and the behaviors that's been shown, it seems like Mike Zimmer seems to be more focused on the defense than the whole team. He's not some CEO glorified defensive coordinator he is the head freaking coach these offensive line issues fall on him too so they elected to take a cornerback they neglected the offensive line yeah they took brian o'neill but he's not even expected to start this year i mean maybe he will but he wasn't to well wasn't projected to going into the uh going into the year before training camp this is what they elected to do and they keep doing this every single year saying we can just do a patchwork offensive line Let's just get all these other toys that don't really matter. Let's just leave the offensive line as is and let's panic later. This is what they elected to do, so I don't want to hear a damn thing from either of them. That's realistic, Randy. Nice call. I love his call. Randy in Oakland. That, that's a great call. I uh, Okay, but here's where, here's where it gets troublesome. It's neglect now, also coupled with the fact that your left guard is done, your center is still hurt, your right guard is hurt, and your right tackle is hurt. So it's beyond neglect now. Now it's to to the fact that this group that you you might have had questions about can't even work together. They chose they chose depth on defense and depth in the defensive backfield over depth at offensive line. And I get why because they don't want the number 1 defense in the NFL to drop off. They want to make sure that it's fortified. So I I understand that. Um but offensive line is a really hard component to leave short but what's in weird, football. But what's weird is they made a choice they didn't have to make. The Hughes pick, okay, let's let's say it's a great pick. Fantastic. Corners are hard to find. I've always maintained that if you're going to get good corners, it's going to be first-round picks. So let's just say that was a good move. What I still don't get to this day is the run on guards hadn't started yet, Phil. So why didn't you, why didn't you day two trade up in the second round and take a guard? That's what I don't get. Yeah, well, it's confusing to me. Six five one six four six eight two five five. AJ, you're on the show. Thank you. Yeah, to come away with an O'Neill as your answer to the pathetic offensive line that we had last year is ridiculous. The other thing that really is starting to bother me is with Elf Line. I mean, we never get a timeline. We never get details. It's always yeah, he's coming. Yeah, hopefully soon. It's starting to feel like Irvin Santana, <laughs> you know, having a May start date and then and then finally getting on the mound in August at some point. It wouldn't surprise me if Elfline misses the first two to three games. It just what what is going on with that? I, I, I don't I, I that that concerns me a lot. Joe, what do you think? Uh, Zimmer said uh, on Saturday that Elf Line was close, which, which is a bit cliched. But Doogie told me when you were out uh, for part of Friday's show that he is expected to be activated early this week. I think they're being cautious there. 
Keep in mind, too, he missed two games last year because of a shoulder that I think they scoped after the season, and then he broke his ankle pretty badly in the last playoff game. I'm not super concerned there. And and his coming back is, is huge. Um, so among the missteps, I don't think that this is a misstep. I think they're being cautious, and that's fine. Yeah, and I'm it's, not that so worried about this. NFL teams are just... Until you have to deliver an injury report for the first week, they don't say anything. So they're not going to. I know as, as a fan, you're sitting there and you're like, "Well, wait a second. This is the starting center. He's the franchise center, and it'd be nice to know. Okay, was there a setback of some kind?" And the reality is, they aren't obligated to tell anybody mm-hmm. until the first week of the regular season. Mm-hmm. Basically, five days before the first game on that Wednesday, that's when they have to come out with an injury report. And right now, so if somebody. If somebody suffers a compound fracture in broad daylight on the practice field in front of fans and media, Mike Zimmer doesn't have to tell you what the injury is. Absolutely Even though not. you saw it with your own two eyes. Yes. It's kind of like in the NHL when some guy gets whacked upside the face and has blood pouring out of his chin. It's an upper body injury because they don't have to tell you any more than that. The, right? Vi- <laughs> the Vikings, if I'm not mistaken, uh, had six guys hurt in Saturday's game. Now they they issued a release today with roster moves, and I believe three of those guys, three of those guys reached injury settlements and were cut with those. But we still don't know what happened to them. How much money does a guy? Ankles. We don't know. Yeah, if you're an undrafted free agent, and so you don't, maybe your signing bonus is a few bucks here and there. So, but you're just you're trying to make a roster so that you can make a full time living in the NFL. Sure. And so you didn't get drafted in the second round, and you don't have a guaranteed contract. How much money, if you tear your ACL, what kind of a settlement? Do you have any idea? I don't. I don't. I just know that you can't be cut hurt. So, like, if I if my knee blows out, you, you can't, and I suck, you can't call me in and say, you're done. So, what if you decided... You pay me to go away. What, what if you didn't want to go away? You sit on the right... Could you make minimum wage? They'd have to... If you pushed it, they'd have to IRU. The greatest story of that of all time is, and this is a practice that a bunch of people, not me, covered in the Ticey regime. St. John's had a receiver, I believe his name was Blake Elliott, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. And he was a real good, he he was a great Mayak player. The Vikings gave him a chance, and he went to camp with the Vikings. And I'm not kidding you, he broke his leg in practice. To which Ticey said, loud enough for people to hear, congratulations, you just made the roster. (laughs) I'm not kidding which was which was tantamount oh to God. we're now going to have to pay you to go away, Blake. Oh, that's amazing. So only Mike Tice would put it that way. Congratulations, you just made the <laughs> roster. But I wonder if these dudes. I mean, can you get a hundred grand if you tear your, your ACL? Yeah, I doubt you get that. Fifty grand. It's got to be some. It's probably got to be some part of prorated portion. My guess of what what you were going to get. Hmm. I mean, if it's if it's a hundred grand, that's a hell of a deal. So if you were that's really, worth getting really, hurt for, if you stink, if you were the ninetieth best guy on the roster and you knew that you, football wasn't in your future, would you? I, I got a story for you. you. I got a story. Yeah, like thirty seconds. It happened in <laughs> Seattle. Vikings playing a preseason game. Some linebacker, I don't recall his name, got hurt and he was down, and they carted him off, and it looked bad, really concerning. It was insinuated to me afterward. He did it for a reason. Interesting. And he wasn't hurt that bad. <laughs> Well, an MRI would show that, right? Sure, but he was. But I think he wanted to make it very clear he was going to need ah. an injury settlement. Ah. All right, we're back tomorrow. Peter Find Griffin. Ma- Mackie and Judd show page, 1500ESPN.com on demand. Ah.